Welcome to the Media Nerds Podcast. I'm Dan Vatabonker. And I'm Kenton Larson. I have a question for you. This came up on Twitter this week, and I thought it was kind of interesting. Kenton, what's the earliest memory you have of a major news event in your life? Like a, like a, not personal news. No, not personal, talking but about like, like something that, that happened in the world, right? Like, I'll tell you, for, for me, it was the, the wedding of Diana and Prince Charles, uh, which I remember very distinctly. I was five years old. And I remember watching that with my mom. We must have been up late, too, because if it's happening in England, that would have been, like, into one in the morning territory. But, yeah, we watched it, and it was a big deal. And I remember thinking, wow, this is a big deal. There's a world outside uh, where I live that things are happening. That was kind of my first awareness of, uh, of the world around me kind of thing. What about you? I think for me, I mean, as a kid... My family got the newspaper at yep. the house, and I read it when I was a kid. Like, I read the newspaper <laughs> on a daily basis. So I never – I can't say that I ever went, oh, there's news, because I really started reading it young. Like, we're talking five years old or something. I'd start reading okay. the paper. So, like – and, of course, there's stuff I didn't understand and, and things like that. I'm trying to think of, like – it might have been – like, the biggest news event I remember – was maybe the space shuttle Challenger exploding? Okay. I was in I was in school, but but I was already in high school at yeah. that point. So that's the first major major event. Okay. I, I don't know. I can't think of something like there was. I guess Princess Diana was before that, right? Yeah, it was eighty one. Yeah, so I, 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 I was up and watched that too. So I mean, that would count. Uh, mm, but maybe there, it doesn't, I, didn't, stick, be didn't stick in your memory as much as it did for me. I guess. Now, no, what's interesting no. to me is, and it also depends on the like the severity of the news or what's happening. If you were to ask right. my kids that question in ten or fifteen years, they would probably say the pandemic. Right? This was yeah. what's happening right now uh, is the major news event of their lifetime, and they, they it's affecting everybody. Um, but some of our students and former students, recent students rather, would say nine eleven. Because that was a lot of them were young kids when that happens. So I just think a it's lot of them are too young at this point. Yes, to a lot of our current students yeah. would be too young to remember nine eleven. But but the ones who came yeah. through recently, anybody who's in their, I would say mid to mid to late twenties now would remember nine eleven from nineteen years ago. So I just yeah. I, don't know, I just thought it came up on Twitter. I thought it was an interesting question. I thought I'd ask you. And hmm. well, I, my answer was very unsatisfying. It was. I it wish, was. Yeah, I wish there was. <laughs> I wish I had something better. It's the your own first fault world... for reading the newspaper, damn it. What are you doing? No, you know what it was? It was when I was nine and I went to see Star Wars. <laughs> there you go. Probably the, my first big, the first big thing. Like, wow, there's a place called Tatooine. <laughs> there was some of that. Well, we but... haven't done an episode of Media Nerds for a while because we've been doing Star Wars Nerds yeah. so much. But today I thought we'd just do kind of a nerd news roundup and check in on some things that have been happening recently. Uh, so uh, let's get into it. Nerd Congrats to Shit's Creek for sweeping the Emmys, sweeping the entire comedy category at the Emmys. What? What? Were you surprised at this? Uh yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I was happy at first, like Eugene Levy and Catherine O'Hara. So of course you're like SCTV, and so yep. you're pumped. Then it started getting like, oh, what? Some some folks are other folks are winning, and then it got ridiculous. Then it got to the point where it's like. What, did I see this award already? Like, I almost started questioning whether I, I had stopped the PVR and restarted it or something <laughs> because I couldn't. I was like, I think I saw this award. I started getting mixed up. I couldn't believe it. Yeah, it was shocking. They're yeah, all together yeah. in the same room as like at some kind of party. It looks like they had rented out a space. Rented and there was a banquet. Like, yeah, a banquet hall or something yeah. like that. They're all kind of sitting. They're sitting like spaced away from each other, wearing masks. And then all the masks came off and they hugged each other as soon as they won. So so much for that idea. And plus, like they're all related. Like like Dan Levy is is 
Eugene Levy's son, so they're you know family. But um, but yeah, I was surprised. I wasn't surprised at the initial like best comedy, best actor, actress, mm. and even Dan Levy as supporting was not surprising to me. Although I will say I've not really watched Shit's Creek. You recommended it on this podcast years ago. I think during the first season. Yeah, you but you know you recommended what? Recommended it. Ironically, though, okay, so I watched the first two seasons and enjoyed them. I thought it was fine. Gentle comedy is how I described it. Yeah. But I. I would I I uh, watched it primarily not uh, because I love Eugene Levy from SCTV and the reason no one else watched it was because I love Chris Elliott right. <laughs> from Letterman right and so to me it was those two together and I was like yeah that's why it's worth watching but at a certain point I burned out on it I, I was like it's good I and I never hated it but you know in a world of decisions and choices <laughs> I I kind of some stuff. at a certain point went I think I see where this is going it's fine it's good and maybe one day I'll even catch up but uh. It, uh I knew it would win something, but I didn't think it would win all that. And I, I'm, I guess we should say as Canadians, that's why it's shocking to us. Because, <laughs> right? I mean, it's different for somebody outside of Canada who might just never have heard of it. Right. But we know we know these folks. And not only that, but it was a CBC show initially, yeah. right? It was on the CBC, and then it kind of moved to Pop in the U.S., which is I've never heard of. It's like some no. obscure cable network. But And then, of course, it's available on Netflix as well, which I think is where most people have watched it. Anybody who's watched Shit's Creek probably has watched it on Netflix. So um, I just, I thought that uh, it was like, one th- yeah, once it got to a certain point, I certainly didn't expect the, the girl who plays the sister to win for Best Supporting. Because no. they had, like, the Best Supporting category, they had those two from Mrs. Maisel. There were so many other good... And, yeah. And even supporting actor like Tony Shalhoub is absolutely amazing on Maisel, and and that he absolutely deserves it. If he has not won an Emmy yet, he should. Um, I, think, I, I think he won it for season one. Okay, well, yeah. So the, I think so, he did. So this was obviously yeah. obviously a this is the last season we're going to give them all the awards kind of thing because this is there's no yeah. more Shit's Creek after this. So that's kind of what that situation was. But it did get to be a bit much. I, I agree. Like I was yeah. like, oh, I was surprised. I was surprised given all the other great comedies out there right now that it would continue to win. And another yeah. thing I thought was interesting is that um, well, there's a couple things. Number one, Dan Levy is named after an Elton John song, just like me. I thought that was nice. My oh. mom, my mom texted me during the show. I said, "Oh, he's got the same same origins as your name." I'm like, "Oh, that's great." Uh, <laughs> and they had Elton John introduce the the show, which was great. Uh, you know, you made it big when you get Elton John kind of in your in your corner, right? Well, so basically, if you and Dan Levy were girls, you would have been called Norma Jean. That's right. That's right. <laughs> okay. Uh, no, I don't remember what my girl name would have been. My mom told me at one point it was not as good as Dan. It was Daniela. Dan- nope. No, it wasn't that. <laughs> no? Something like Olivia or something like that, I think. Anyway, the other thing was interesting. So they did the, the award show was different. What did you get? What did you think of the format of the Emmys? They did it a little I bit differently. I actually enjoyed the hell out of it. <laughs> I have to. <laughs> more than, more than usual. Yeah. It was nice just to have them kind of in the houses. Um, and they, they sent somebody in this awesome, hilarious, like hazmat suit, Emmys hazmat suit that looked like a tuxedo, uh, to their house to give them the Emmys. But they also sent those people to, they sent those people to every, every nominee's house, right? There was, there was like, um, I can't remember who it was that tweeted a a video of the guy waving and walking away because he didn't win. It was Yusuf, um... Uh, what's his last name? He's got that that he won la- he won the Golden Globe last year. I, I'm forgetting his name. Anyway, it was it showed them waving and walking away with an Emmy. Like they're, they're sitting there holding an Emmy, and like no, he didn't win, and they just left. I'm like that's kind of yeah. weird. Um, I know. I also suspect that some like there was more absences than ever before uh, because they didn't have cameras when you like when they showed all the nominees up on the screen. Like three of them, like Meryl Streep wasn't there, or. Um, 
Uh, I don't know who else. Like a bunch of, you know, some of the older people. And I wonder if they knew ahead of time that they weren't going to win. I don't know that. I think they know their odds going in. I think they okay. I think they probably have a um, the impression of whether they could win or not win. But that still doesn't always roll the way they think it's going to. So and, and they and I think the surprise we saw was real surprise. Yes, I do think, I think that. Yeah, I think if the fix was in, I think I don't think we would have fixing it. I'm just talking about having yeah. certain people know. Like obviously, no, the I Emmy mean, people like knew the knew, results. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Okay, no, they guess they did. They sent the they sent these people to every nominee's house, so they're sitting there ready to give them an Emmy. Now, did that mean all those Emmys were like engraved with their name and stuff like that? They did all that work, or was that? Like I just—it seems weird. Yeah, they know in advance, so they. Oh yeah, but then, but that would be easy to leak. I just, I just thought it was interesting. Usually, if if somebody is not there at an award show, it's because they're shooting a movie or they're like they're protesting or something like that. Like, uh, right. like, um, uh, what's his name? Um, the Godfather. Marlon Brando did that one year for the Oscars, right? When he when he won the Oscar for for the Godfather, um, that kind of stuff happens. So I just wonder that there there was a lot of them this year that weren't weren't there quote unquote because because they were, didn't have cameras into their living rooms maybe they just didn't want to let the people into their living rooms with the camera you know maybe that's what it was I don't know it was it was, it was kind of interesting though I, I did enjoy the format I thought it was pretty funny some of the bits flopped some of the bits were not funny at all some of the bits were funny it's just the same as any other, other award show right like you kind of hit or miss for a lot of these these things but well I I was happy to see Joe Coy comedian yes, Joe Coy was, that was there awesome yes, yes. and I was ha- and Letterman of course Letterman did a bit that that and he's always <laughs> funny so that's good so he's grouchy so he's just you know into good, a fight with his Uber driver yeah in the middle of nowhere yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's that was funny great. stuff but uh and what else happened there was a few sketches that I just thought wow that was like a really funny sketch and of course Jimmy Kimmel doesn't get enough credit, I think, for the for for um how he plays the hosting duties. Oh yeah, I think his hosting duties are are um I think he's he is very good at and I've always said like when he does his monologue, he he doesn't need an audience to laugh. He's got a very weird rhythm to the jokes he tells. Like it always surprises me how sometimes he'll just really undersell a punchline where I'd be like, "No, hit it harder, Jimmy. It'll be funnier," <laughs> kind of thing. But but he's got a more conversational style of comedy. And I thought the bit that he did with um, Bateman at the very that beginning, was funny. yes, that was good. And Bateman is so funny. Like he is such a he's such a weird comical character as well. Like just mm-hmm. him is when you see him, you're like you sort of want to laugh, even mm-hmm. though he's on a serious show. He is now, but he's done comedy before. Yeah, right? but there's something about him. He's got like a funny nature to him, and so I thought a lot of that stuff was just uh, was just pretty good. And I, and the people who were there on set with Jimmy Kimmel or some funny stuff there. So I I thought the show and the show still went long. I was it like, did. well, it, I was like, it won't go long because there won't be applause. I was like, this is great. Well, there's still speeches. Yeah, so. exactly. <laughs> and they can't they can't play them out because they're not in the same no. room as them. So they just have to let them go on. Well, um, they said they were. They said they would mute them. There was a joke about oh, is we'll that mute it? you if you go long, <laughs> but I, it was unclear if that was an empty threat or if that was the actual plan. Watchmen did pretty well in the limited series category. Oh, Watchmen yeah. was, was very yep. good, uh, which is great to see. And then Succession cleaned up in the drama category, and I've not seen Succession yet. 
um, but it did oh. it didn't quite win quite a bit of war of awards. Um, I thought it was interesting that that living room where the I don't know if it was the show's showrunner or producer whoever whoever it was who accepted the award for best drama they had this interesting dynamic going with the curtains beside behind them and then the people like were arranged perfectly he was in the middle and these two people behind four people behind him I felt like we were in the Black Lodge from Twin Peaks or something like that I felt like it was just yeah. this weird kind of setup so it's, it's, I found it really interesting is how how some people. Again, again, arrange their set, arrange the the things behind them to look a certain way. And some people didn't bother with that. Some people were just sitting on a couch and that that kind of stuff. So that was quite interesting. All that stuff. I like I like yeah. getting a glimpse into people's homes. I'm nosy that way. I also like the winners getting distracted by people cheering in their home was good. <laughs> and we got to see some family members we wouldn't otherwise yeah. get to see. <laughs> we got to see like some, some, just some odd uh, decor choices. Yeah. My fa- one, one of my favorites was um, the young man from normal people, which by the way, is just a wonderful it looks show. Good. Yeah. It's, and it's a crime that the girl on that show, and I, forgive me for not knowing either one of their names, it's just that they're new actors. Yep. The young woman on that show was so deserving of a nomination. It's almost It was almost heartbreaking that they didn't give her one, especially when you watch the show. And I would suggest she is probably, what she does on that show is harder work than what that guy does on that show. But anyway, he got a nomination. And then we see him and he looks like a... He looks like a very soft-spoken British man sitting mm-hmm. in his little flat with a with a sad plant next to him. <laughs> sad yeah. plant next to him. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, you, what have you got? A zucchini there, Dan? What is that behind you? Pumpkin? What are you growing? A triffid? Is it a oh, triffid? This, this is a pumpkin. This is a pumpkin that my mom gave me. I forgot it was there. Dan is holding up a pumpkin, folks. Yeah, no, yeah. actually, Luke, that's Luke's pumpkin. He wants to carve it when we get closer to Halloween. But um, no, yeah, it, was, so yeah, maybe, it, was, it was really interesting seeing yeah. all the homes and the decor choices. That was a lot of fun. So, yeah, it was an enjoyable other than it going yeah. long. That was my only complaint. I was like, oh, come on. Like, I mean, it did, it's, yeah. it's getting I want to go to bed. I want to get you know what I mean? That kind of stuff. It but wore out its it welcome uh, toward the uh, waning moments and it should build. The excitement should build. Yes. But uh, it was still I still thought yeah you know what they could do it like this every year and it's actually a little bit better yeah i'd say like in the in the big environment where you get everybody applauding and um and you know and the sustained applause and then it really drags out and um then you also get sort of the pandering stuff and then you all you know you get some of that people thinking their team yeah you know that kind of thing cut away to offended person you know like all of that (laughs) stuff and you're just like what or, or, or I think, cut away. I think, what's his name from Blackish? Um, uh, don't remember his name. Anthony Anderson, the guy, the main guy from Blackish, who who's been nominated nine times apparently and has yeah. not yet won, was upset. He visibly looked upset that he didn't win. He was like, "This is my year. This is this is gonna do it." And then he still not won. And by the way, network TV did not do well at all. Almost, I don't think no. anything from network TV won. It was all streaming, HBO, yeah. all cable or streaming services at this point. So now I don't know what network TV has got to do to get uh, to get back in the game. Well, what I would suggest is what the the lesson we learned from Susan Lucci was everybody talks about you not winning year after year after year after year until you win and then nobody talks about you anymore. Yeah. So it's better then to like, not win. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> then you're like, oh, we're done with you. You got what you wanted. Now please go away. <laughs> and we never heard about her again. Yeah. Like, where true. did she go? Yeah. I, I mean, she's an older woman now, but I mean, why? You know, like nothing like no, like when when you win the Emmy, that, that can be a sign that there's some future Emmys in your life. But yeah. I think if you make your whole reputation on I don't win the Emmy I deserve, 
then I think uh, you're looking at lifetime achievement at the very least no, down I, the road. Yeah, I don't think that that's what he was getting at. And the bit that he did later on was a little bit a little too not on the nose because he was like pretending to be upset about them not winning, not enough black people nominated oh, that was funny. or something. It was a funny. Yeah, I know bit, what you yeah. mean though. But but he, he did, did seem angry. <laughs> he did seem upset that he didn't win. Um, he and, is a good actor because oh, I, no, I bought a, it. It's a good show, <laughs> and, and and I don't you know like it's just hard. And again with with you know Shit's Creek sweeping all the all the awards for comedy that's oh. that's a bit of a tough thing to take uh when you work on another tv show for sure yeah and the other thing that well the last thing i'll say before we move on the joke about the stanley cup was was a bit harsh i was we were, oh. we were like oh, come on that's not <laughs> although i i will admit i cheered when i saw the stanley cup for no reason i don't know why it's, i did it's but I was like, canadian that's the reason I, I was like jimmy kimmel's next to the cup <laughs> like why and then now they got to well, fly it up to edmonton to give it away to an yeah. american team so oh, anyway, oh, I guess Tampa Bay won last night. Was that what happened? I, I don't know. know. I wasn't paying attention. Uh, yeah, I stopped uh, watching. I don't after care the Jets about wrote. two Dust Bowl teams playing playing in the final. Um, speaking of award shows, this is a little bit old. This is from a few weeks ago, but the Oscars recently announced their new diversity rules. You're shaking your head already because you know where this is going. Oh, um, boy. So they they have like I have a, and I have a piece up here from the from the Washington Post. Um, it says basically the, the headline is most recent best picture winners would have met new Oscar diversity requirements. So these new rules are not going to really have much of an effect on um, on the future nominees. They went back 15 years and found that 73 percent of them films that won would have met the criteria that was announced uh, uh, last week. Well, that's good. So, I mean, I mean it, that's good. But yeah. no, it just shows that they don't really have any teeth. And I think it's because. Of the uh, required, okay. So here are the requirements. Just to make sure we're all on the same page. Number one, a film story, lead actor, or ensemble prominently feature underrepresented groups. Number two, those working behind the scenes do the same. Three, the production include paid internships and training for those who are underrepresented. And four, the movies release team have multiple in-house senior executives from un underrepresented groups. I think it's mostly B and C that are going to get those movies there. Right, we're not gonna. We so far, anyway, we've not seen a ton of films that have the lead story. Although, I guess, um, well, I don't know. It does. Does Parasite count? Because Parasite's a Korean film where everybody is Korean. <laughs> it's, it's, they're not really minority. Yeah. They're the majority in their country, I, right? Like, I really want them to up their representation of the white man next time. You know what I mean? Like, it's really no, but like, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't. I, I would assume that we are. And maybe this is a problem, too. I assume the Academy is looking at it from their North American or no American, not even yeah, North American, yeah. from their American perspective. Right. Which I guess I mean, if you're handing out awards, I guess you can hand them out how, to however criteria you want to use. Yeah. But I don't like the idea, though, of making them like I love the idea of the Academy <clears throat> expanding its voter base. Yep. Because they're they're notoriously apparently you know it's hard to become a member and even people who have extensive acting credits some of them they never let in including famously Rodney Dangerfield <laughs> who's who's okay he was a stand up but he starred in many films and many of them were very successful films mm -hmm. so um, and I don't I, I don't quite know how their membership works but I think I've definitely heard people complaining about that in the past and I think if you expand the membership base that has the impact of 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 um, allowing the voters to vote for the films that they believe um, are the most deserving. I think that would solve a big part of the problem. I don't like the idea of, uh, like, you know, you and I could easily create the Woke Awards. 
the woke awards. <laughs> the woke awards. And, and we could give it to the person on Twitter who complains the most about things that aren't woke. All right, so we could we could give that person an award. But I mean, is that is that person bringing goodness to the world? Is that or is that person just complaining all day long every day? Right? You know what I mean? Like, uh, I think the Academy runs the risk of making these the woke awards. And um, if if there's one thing about films that I firmly believe, it's that film is the medium of empathy. Where you you see what the great thing about film is you see diversity and you see things from around the world. Uh, the fact that the Academy just has a category called foreign film tells you there's a problem. Yeah. Uh, and the fact that Parasite won that and Best Film tells you there's a problem. Mm -hmm. So why don't we just open up the nominees to the world? How about that? Their fear is that by opening it up to the world and having the world cinema involved that America will stop winning awards. Yeah. And that might very well be the case. But that's my concern. Well, that's that, why I that's think... already happening. That's what Parasite yeah. did, right? That is what right. happened. And not to mention the the number of films that come over from... Like, I mean, it's all made out of the American system, but the British and European films, like the, those filmmakers who come over to the US. Like, there are so many people from other parts of the world in in Hollywood. You know, if they studied in their own countries, that would be actually more incentive for... for other countries, including Canada, to, to make better and more um, locally produced films, right? Like that kind of yeah. thing Like that we would see. So Canada, um, I guess we would be in the best foreign film category, right? If we were to submit a film from Canada, right? That was produced here? Uh, the Sweet Hereafter, I believe, was That's nominated right. for Best Picture. Yeah, it was. But also, but again, so was, so was Parasite. So, but The Sweet Hereafter was not nominated for foreign film. I don't think so. No, okay. Interesting. Or am I wrong? I don't <laughs> know. Gonna, I remember somebody's going to. I remember that. That was a big deal. That was, it we was a big deal. Anytime a Canadian film, even like The Cat Came Back, which was like a Winnipeg produced uh, short, that uh, animated short that won for best animated short, that was a big deal as well. So, yeah, it's, I don't know. Like, it, it's it, uh, certainly the measures they put in place will prevent any backsliding. <laughs> So hopefully the going like they won't uh, go back in the other direction the way it used to be where it was all white and hopefully it does lead to more uh, inclusiveness especially in the like the executive category like we want more people more diversity among the film executives um, but I guess I don't necessarily foresee this resulting in a ton more films that are have you know um, black leads or, or, or gay and lesbian leads or anything like that. Like, I don't necessarily see that happening anytime soon. Right. And I, I don't, I just like, I don't know. It's, it's tough to do because you do need these kind of measures in place. So people are more aware of it, but also yeah. um, you don't want people making these movies for the wrong reasons. And, and in some ways the Oscars and all awards shows really are just marketing tools. So I'm sure there's people in the, in that system that feel like, okay, we have to make, this movie match these categories so that we can get nominees and get nominations and get awards so that our film will do well. Right. And well, I, I just like it better when films are actually recognized based on their merit, not based on how much. That's why I don't like our Oscar bait in general. Like I hate the idea of Oscar bait. Right. And I feel like we're going to get some Oscar bait specifically targeting these, uh, these rules. Well, well, let's make it about World War II. Let's get Meryl Streep to right. star in it. Let, you know what I mean? Like you start. That, let's make it a movie about making movies. Let's make it a movie yeah. about oh, yeah, yeah, Hollywood. Yeah. Let's make it a movie like that kind of stuff. I just I I can't stand. I let's once, give. I like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, but it is absolutely Oscar bait. As if the only time Tarantino's True. ever done it, and I hope he never does it again. 
So true. And by, and by the way, I hope they never stop giving best makeup to the character with the prosthetic nose. Right. I hope that I hope that goes forever. Exactly. That's um, right. B- uh, what was like? You had a really good point about um, about we want diversity, yes. but I'm not sure we want legislated yes, diversity. That's also an issue as well. This is the problem. Now, I used to work at a corporation where we would uh, hire photographers to take pictures for for websites and brochures, and you know where this is going. Yep. If an organization has one, as a two thousand member organization, and has one person of color working there, that's an issue. That is a problem that the organization needs to address. So, if the organization then only takes uh, pictures for the website and the brochure of the single person of color they employ, that is not diversity. That is the the it's opposite a token. of diversity. It's a token. It, right and it's and it's hypocrisy too it's like it's like admitting that you know there's a problem but uh but sweeping it under the rug by uh, publicly showing something different than what you know actually exists so that's i think maybe that's what i'm getting at with my concern here mm-hmm. that that this makes it a checklist it mm-hmm. makes it something uh, i think in it, it could in the end have in its own way diminish the accomplishments of the very um, of the very actors, uh, cast members, and uh, behind the scenes people, and uh, uh, you know across the board, it could have the impact of diminishing their accomplishment because it's seen as nothing but a checklist, mm-hmm. or that's how it operates. So that that's my concern about it. You know, I, but but we want diversity. I, I wish that they would do something about uh, who the members of the academy are. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think over time, uh, the old white people shall die. And I think, that, and I think, I think uh, I'll put money on that. I'm not a betting man, but I'll bet that old people will die. And and I think that will also have the effect of diversifying the voter base uh, uh, at the Oscars. But yeah, so like good and bad together in one, and it all depends on how they operate it, I guess. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see if it actually yeah. makes it a. Uh... Uh, change or, or actually takes effect on anything. Um, I, by the way, I saw you making fun of that former employer's advertisement uh, on on Instagram. <laughs> Did Which you do one? Oh, the billboard. <laughs> well, we can we can say what that is because that's not what it used to be called when that's I worked right, there. That's right. <laughs> yeah, there, there's a, there's an insurance company in Canada uh, called. And by the way, I wasn't actually talking about that one. I was oh, okay. About a different place okay. I worked, but um. Uh, the uh, called Canada Life, and my 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 former war in advertising was war on the word unique. Yeah, and it and it got to the point where like I have people tweeting stuff at me, showing me people using unique, yeah. you know, like stuff like that. Like if it's so bad, what's it doing in this Coke ad? <laughs> yeah, what's it doing there? Exactly, I agree. <laughs> like like uh uh all of that stuff. But I think the war eventually got won. Every once in a while, somebody from a, an ad agency will email me. And go like, oh, you've ruined it for me, Larson. I can never use unique without thinking about you mocking me. And I'm like, that's right. That's what I wanted to do. So I think job well done. So you won that war. Now what's the new war? The new war is the war on small print on giant billboards. Yeah. All right. The the billboard exists to be read from the street. Yeah. Where pedestrians and oftentimes when you're in a car speeding by, so it cannot be complicated either, right? It can't be right. an in-depth kind of paragraph, although that's not what this is, but there is that is very small type on that billboard. You're right. There's a, so in Osborne Village, Canada Life has one. At Portage and Main, Skip the Dishes has one. 
And uh, Skip the Dishes is, I, I didn't really, I didn't care about this, but I posted it online and other people did. And it's like, they're announcing a rebrand, Skip the Dishes, where it's like, now we're orange. <laughs> That's basically <laughs> it. Now we're orange. And, and the headline is, please allow us to introduce ourselves. So it's symp- sympathy for the devil. Uh-huh. And uh, to which I can only say I'm a man of coach and app would be the next line. <laughs> and uh, but it's there and it's got small print, too. And it's like, what? What is it? Say? You can't see. So that's my new war. And end of story. So I'm talking too much. End of story. OK, that's good. No, you got me great. riled well, up. Keep, with us, my... keep us posted on that because I'm and I'll start looking out for that stuff as well and tweeting it at you. We'll, we'll all let's all start tweeting billboards of small print at Kenton Larson so that he'll Finally, you know, maybe maybe we'll win this war and then we can move on to something else. Okay. You know, sorry, one more thing. Yeah. Right after this class, I am talking out of home media with uh, Section One, the group known as Section One, and uh, so I have a, a photograph, uh, a photographic um, PowerPoint display which features many of the billboards that I've taken photos of in the past and go, what's happening? But it's good and bad. That's good. I good love that. and bad. That sounds awesome. Yeah. Uh, let's get to recommendations. You do have to get ready for that class. Let's get to some recommendations. Actually, I've got two things. I've got a recommendation and a warning, and they both have to do with space flight. So we'll start with a recommendation, and you mentioned it already. It's Challenger The Final Flight, which is the oh. docu-series on Netflix right now. I just started watching it last night, and I blew through three episodes like that. And it's really a fascinating look at the Challenger disaster that you mentioned, 1986. Um, uh, and like, just I, I just you know, I remember it very clearly when I was a kid. I would have been 10 years old. No, not even. I would have been nine because my birthday is not till April, and that was in January. So I would have been nine years old. I remember watching it on TV. I used to stay home and watch all the all the space shuttle liftoffs. My dad used to let me do that. And um, but I did. I don't think I ever really found out what happened. Like I don't ever remember someone explaining to me why why that ship exploded. So this is looks at it right, but it also looks at takes a little bit of a look at the whole shuttle program and the astronauts that were on that um, on that flight that died in that uh, you know, explosion. And it's it's just a great. Uh, documentary i really really enjoy it it's uh not only that but the the pacing is good the editing is great the music is great they've got some really great like they start playing um neil diamond america and i'm like oh yeah this is all i'm getting into this is awesome like it just sounded really great so overall it's just been a great series have you watched it i i've seen people raving about it online i will watch it and neil diamond's america is such a great song it makes me forget about trump that's (laughs) how good it is it's a great song so it is not the only great song in there there's lots of great music in that um the warning i will uh give to you today is to stay away from away uh this is the um the the series that was released a few weeks ago again on netflix and this is about the mission to mars with um What's your name? Oh, I should have. I don't. Why can't I remember names ever? Sorry, one second. Because we're on the podcast. That's yeah, why. Yeah, I know. But I should have. I should have prepared for this. You know what I noticed that when I'm teaching classes, it's the same effect. Hillary where Swank. I can't. Yeah. Oh, there you go. I can't remember Hillary Swank at the best of times, but <laughs> when so, you're teaching or talking on a podcast, forget it. So Hillary Swank stars in this uh, this series on Netflix that is about a manned mission to Mars. And I, I, like, I can eat everything. Like, I love space travel stuff. There was a series Me on too. Prime starring Sean Penn that was really good that apparently got canceled and I didn't know. Uh, I was waiting for season two of that and it's never oh. coming. So that's unfortunate. That one with Sean Penn I thought was really good. There's also, of course, The Martian, which is a great movie about yeah. a mission to Mars. And this one is just so boring i got two i got one and a half episodes in i'm like i don't care i don't care about the characters 
they're they're just everything's so cheesy and done like the whole i'm leaving for three years to go on a mission to mars my daughter's gonna miss me my husband's gonna miss me all like all that stuff which has been done to death on every other movie about space flight right that yeah we know this is a sacrifice that people make they're, they're away for long periods of time but it's just and, and by the way the, the funniest thing about this series is that the cell phone reception apparently is flawless in uh. space because they see they're on their phone they uh. can get their cell phone up and they're talking to their family there's no delay we know there's delay if you talk to somebody in space there's sometimes up, when you get to mars there's like a 15 minute delay between when they talk and when you can hear them and it just gets like you know what i mean it's just all kinds of stuff about this series that i hate so i would definitely recommend and i i came across a review that said it was good before i watched it so i started watching it and I thought, well that doesn't seem right and then i looked it up and there were a million reviews that say it's bad so i just came across the wrong review at the wrong time and i invested an hour and a half into it and i'll never get that back Oh, good. So a recommendation <laughs> not to watch. Do not away. watch Stay away. away from away. That's what I said. Yeah, but but the Challenger one is really, really good. So definitely watch that. What about you? What do you have to recommend this week? I got a real easy and quick one. It's one that's uh, uh, that crept up on me. I wasn't. I didn't know anything about it. I saw a positive review in the Globe and Mail. Uh, it's uh, on HBO right now, and it's Jude Law starring in The Third Day. Oh, yeah. And yeah, and I was like, I don't know. It kind of looks like Midsummer based on the previews I'm seeing. I don't know what this is. And uh, so I watched the first two episodes, and I have to say, it's kind of got me. Like, there's a couple things in there where you're like, where you kind of go, ah, this seems like maybe some other horror movies kind of thing, kind of well-trodden ground. Mm -hmm. But his acting is so flipping good in it. I'm not even a Jude Law fan, but I'm like, oh, my God. He's, like, knocking it out of the park here. And the cinematography is so good. And it's got what every horror film or TV show needs, which is, like, creepily happy people living in a village. <laughs> so you know they're psychotic. You know, there's, right. like, something very wrong. And really, the show's tipped its hat a little in the second episode about what what he might be in for. But uh, I just, I'm just enjoying the ride, kind of. I don't think it's got a super high rating on IMDb. I think it's a 6.9 or something, which everything's at. 6.9 or to 7.2 seems mm -hmm. to be everything. But I would say, like, just for Jude Law and the cinematography alone, I, I think it's, uh, I, I just find it very compelling and very okay. well done. And I'm not really a huge horror fan, and I'm not I really, am. oh, well, I think you might like it. Yeah, I I mean, I'll watch it for sure. This is one of those shows, though, where until the whole show's written, you're kind of like, well, they could really screw this up in the last, in the last yeah. episode. But I think it's a mini series, so okay. I think there might only be four to six episodes or something like that, which might be just right. I don't mind that, you know. And, and yeah. as we're watching the the Emmys and kind of going through that whole limited series thing, there was a number of ones in there. The one that Mark Ruffalo is in um, looks really good that I never heard of, right? Where he plays twin brothers or oh, something yeah. like that. That's a, another it's amazing. Like I, I, there's a, a number of really good limited series I think that I'm going to watch, and the other one, Little Fires Everywhere, which you hated, oh. was nom didn't win anything, but was nominated for a lot of Emmys for some reason. Um, so I thought that was kind of oh. funny. As well. <laughs> Just to me, that is such trash. Yeah. Hey, but hey, and here's here's where I'm going to say something. Someone you know and follow on Twitter and me has publicly tweeted their I'm saying there on purpose their disdain. For their mar for the marvelous Mrs. Maisel, <gasps> they don't like it, and they like like littles everywhere. And I'm not gonna say who it is. <laughs> can't say who it well, is. Tell me after we end the podcast. But I, gonna... Maybe I will. Uh, maybe <laughs> I won't. But um, but uh, what I, what I will suggest is 
is the world upside down? Are things topsy turvy? Has the world gone crazy here? This is, <laughs> this is there's nothing wrong with the marvelous Mrs. Maisel. It is an incredible show, and that's the only that's the only downside of of uh, Schitt's Creek winning all those awards is that Maisel didn't get any. But that's okay. There's always next year for Maisel. There's always next year, and of course, people are free to like whatever they like. Of course, of course. <laughs> I'm teasing. Right. Like yes. what you like don't like what you don't like and thanks for listening to me liking and disliking things thank you there we go that's gonna do it for this episode of the media nerds podcast i'm dan vatabonker i'm kenton larson don't let the door hit you on the ass